Welcome. The parish is a church community in Alpharetta, Georgia, practicing the way of Jesus for the sake of others. Talks like these are just one part of how we gather to be deeply reshaped by Jesus. So we invite you to join us any Sunday morning for a full church gathering. You can find more information or contact us by visiting our website at parishanglican.org. This morning, I've been doing a lot of talking. As you can tell, like we're kind of running a skeleton crew this morning in terms of our normal uh, full volunteers. And so as a result, I'm talking a lot, but fear not because I'm not going to talk any longer. Uh, We have a special guest speaker, and guest is not really the right word because you've been at home here in the parish longer than I have. And so this morning, we're going to hear from Keith Jennings. Uh, Keith is a beloved member of our parish community. Uh, the, The Jennings family is at the heart of our parish community. And let me just say something about them. First of all, I was Googling you last night. Um... Yeah, that's always dangerous. I was Googling you because I wanted to make sure I got your title right. You are the Vice President of Community Impact at Jackson Healthcare, is that right? Um, But as I was Googling you, the first thing that came up was Atlanta business leader wins like entrepreneur world leader of the year from the Atlanta Business Journal or something like that. I don't know. You won some big award in January in terms of just your business influence and the the social impact work that you do. And what I loved about that was I had never heard anything about it because isn't that classic Keith Jennings? Uh, And so Keith is uh, involved in a lot of meaningful work to impact our community and to impact the global community through his role at Jackson Healthcare. And Keith is the kind of person who on the day he was speaking, I showed up here at 7.30 and he was putting the signs out this morning. Uh, and your you know, daughters are on the host team and your son Tucker's leading worship and your son Tate is running sound. Uh, goodness, thankful for the Jennings family. And so it's gonna be a treat this morning to hear from Keith. Uh, and we'll do that in just a moment. But first of all, we're gonna read from the Gospels. Whenever we read from the Gospels, we stand together and we uh, pay attention to Christ speaking in our midst. And so we'll let Morgan guide us in our scripture reading. This morning's reading is from Luke 21, verses 34 through 38. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that day does not catch you unexpectedly, like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Every day he was teaching in the temple, and at night he would go out and spend the night on the Mount of Olives, as it was called. And all the people would get up early in the morning to listen to him in the temple. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. So, what I want to, I have two asks for you, first of all. First is, if you did not hear Jordan's message last week, uh, go have a listen to that. I I think it it really hit us. We got in the car and we were like, that was fantastic. But Jordan's distinction between fishing and shepherding was profound. So if you didn't get a chance to catch that, go listen to that. My second request is that I'm, I'm the pinch hitter, okay? So I'm, I'm thankful just to have the privilege to give Jordan after a family vacation and some travel to have a respite and not have to jump back into the message duties. Uh, but my ask is please do not form an opinion on the parish based solely on today. Deal? All right. <laughs> All right. 
so this, this passage that we just read um, has something going on in it uh, that I want to draw on. So I'm, I'm in formation uh, to become what's called a, a Benedictine oblate. And, uh, and so it's just based on how, how you kind of reordering your life and work uh, into, a, into the monastic rhythm. And you do this, uh, you know, you do this through making a commitment to a specific monastery and, and community. And uh, a lot of this is about what's called orarium, if I'm even saying that right. Orarium is just uh, means counting. That, that your days are, should be ordered and things should be counted and there should be times for prayer and there should be times for work and there should be times for rest uh, in, in the things that we do. And so you're trying to create a rhythm for your life. Uh, and that's kind of the thing I, I want to talk to you about today. So as I was preparing, I'm like, well, okay, we're still in Pentecost here. Um, we're starting to make that move towards ordinary time. And so I thought I need to start probably with Acts 1 and uh, reread the story of Pentecost. I need to reread kind of the, the beginnings of the early church and the ministries of the apostles and the story of, of Saul and, uh, and, and, and his conversion and, and ministry. And here's the situation. I never got past Acts 1. That's as far as I got. So uh, I was reading, and then a phrase like the, like the tune Feliz Navidad just got stuck in my head, and it kept turning over and over and over, and, I'm, and I kept thinking, why am I fixated uh, on this phrase? And so I want to read you the passage the, uh, that, that, I, that, that caught my attention. I want to see if you hear anything in it, okay? So the thing I want to talk to you about, I believe, is something that's hiding in plain sight. It's hiding all through the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, and it's hiding in our everyday lives. And, and I believe that once we come to see it, and we can come to understand it, and then we can come to enter into it, that it can profoundly change our spiritual life. And I believe it can do that not only individually, but it can, it can affect us as a church uh, as well. So here is the passage. See if you can find what stuck out to me. It's Acts 1, verses 21 and 22. It says, so one of the men, oh, by the way, the context is Peter speaking to the believers, and they're, they're, they've got to pick, a, they're only at 11, right? They lost Judas, so they've got to replace Judas, and so he's speaking to the believers about this. He says, so one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us to his resurrection. All right, what do you think was the thing that jumped out at me? I'm going to reread it, and I'm going to emphasize the thing I got hung up on. All right, so one of the men who have accompanied us during all that time, the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. I'm not going to go further from that. That was it. The Lord Jesus went in and out among us. And what caught me with that is that it's, it, it's a rhythm, in and out. It's a rhythm. It's a rhythm. And I started thinking about, well, what does that rhythm mean? And where do we see that rhythm? Where does that rhythm manifest itself? And it hit me at Pentecost. The apostles are, are going in and out of the community of believers. Uh, and then they go in and out among cities and regions uh, as they pursue their ministries. 
Uh, but they weren't kind of creating this holy rhythm. I'm going to call it a holy rhythm. They were actually modeling off what they saw Jesus do. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead. Like in Acts 9, 28, this is about Paul. It says, so he, Paul, went in and out among them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Uh, so, so I want to kind of back up to take, pull up our uh, Luke reading today. Here's the last part of it. Check this out. Every day he was teaching in the temple, and at night he would go out and spend the night on the Mount of Olives. And then in John, in the Gospel of John, it's 10.9, Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. But this holy rhythm actually doesn't start with Jesus it's all through the Old Testament. So what I'm going to do, and I'm trying not to rush. My daughter Mia said, don't rush it this time, right? So I'm going to not do this. We're going to start with Ezekiel, which is closest to the New Testament. And we're just going to go backwards to Exodus. Just to kind of show you how this, how this permeates uh, the scriptures. In Ezekiel 46.10, it says, When they come in, the prince shall come in with them. And when they go out, he shall go out. All right, and Jeremiah 37, 4. Now Jeremiah was still going in and out among the people. Um, in Isaiah 37, 28, it says, I know you're rising up and you're sitting down. You're going out and coming in and you're raging against me. And this is actually quoting 2 Kings 19, 27, which appears there as well. In our call to worship today, we recited Psalm, Psalms 121. And at the end of that, it said, The Lord will keep your going out and coming in from this time and forevermore. In Second Chronicles 1.10, Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. And in 1 Samuel 2.35, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest, who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind, I will build him a sure house that he may go in and out before my anointed one forever. You starting to see the rhythm? Deuteronomy 8, 28, 6. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. And it goes on to say, cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. And in Numbers 27, 17, who shall go out before them and come in before them? Who shall lead them out and bring them in? And in Exodus uh, 34, 34, But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been, what he had been commanded. So this holy rhythm of going in, and, uh, coming in, going out. Inward movement, outward movement. Inward movement, outward movement is everywhere. Once you start looking for it, it's everywhere throughout the scriptures. But there was a lot of time that existed before the scriptures were written, before right, humanity was literate. It's actually baked into everything within creation. So think of it. Seasons do what? They come in and they go out. Hours, weeks, months, years, they come in, they go out. Storms come in, storms go out. Um, tides come in, tides go out. Even the animals move on an inward, outward rhythm. Um, blood flows into our heart, out of our heart. 
materials move into our cells, out of our cells. Um, seeds go in the ground, and then they come out as new growth. So this rhythm is everywhere. So one of the rhythms I want to point out most, uh, I kind of want to kind of call your attention to is what I'm going to call this inward-outward rhythm of dwelling and venturing. So dwelling and venturing. And so think, as kids, we're at home in, and we go to school out. And then we grow up one day, and we leave home, our in, out, to establish a new home, new in, to which we leave and go to work every day, out. And so even our days are built on an in and out rhythm, kind of an inward rhythm and an outward rhythm. So dwell in, venture out. So the word dwell simply means to be in a specific place uh, or to be fixated on something for an extended period of time uh, or, or to stay somewhere. And uh, we, we call our home a dwelling, right? We call our home a dwelling. And it's where we rest. Uh, but when we venture, we risk. And that's what the word venture means. It means to risk. So think about this. What do we call new businesses? We call them a new venture, uh, and when we go on vacation or, or seek new experiences, we're having an adventure, an adventure. We're, we're taking risk. We're leaving home. We're going out to explore and do something we're not, we're not used to or that may be new to us. But I don't want to dwell on just the positive aspects of dwelling and venturing. There's negative aspects to these as well. So if, uh, if somebody hurts my feelings or hurts your feelings, we can dwell on that and let it fester and let it start to boil. Dwelling can also mean, the other side of dwelling is lingering, delaying, procrastinating. These are, when a neighbor has a need, this is not time to dwell. It's time to venture out and serve. Uh, and so, and then the, the reverse side of venturing is sometimes we can take risks that not only put ourselves at risk, it put others, it can put others at risk. And sometimes as we're reacting to something happening in the world in, in a kind of an effort to help and take action and get involved, we can actually cause more harm to a situation than we can uh, help that situation. And so it's important that we understand both aspects of this rhythm, this inward, outward, holy rhythm of dwelling and venturing uh, that does that. But this is looking at this inward, outward, holy rhythm from the human perspective, right? This is a human point of view we've talked about so far. So I thought, well, let's look at it from the perspective of God. And so to do this, we're going to draw on the teachings of Meister Eckhart, who's a 13th century German theologian. His stuff is, is deep, it's complex, it's mind-blowing, it's awesome. And if any of y'all ever want to talk Meister Eckhart, it's coffee on me anytime. I'm ready to go, and I'm still learning this as well. So Eckhart says that God is above all else uh, a reality we can only experience from within, inward movement, okay? That uh, since God cannot be named, contained, or really known, the only way we can unite with God is, is what he calls the silent desert, uh, meaning it's a kind of knowing by unknowing. It's a kind of moving into stillness and silence inwardly, so that we can make room to hear and understand God's callings to us. Uh, and I'm trying to get my head around how to explain this. And so I came across 
uh, a book called A Book of Silence by Sarah Maitland. And, and here's what she writes about silence. She said, silence is a form of freedom, a freedom from oneself and a freedom to be oneself. And she goes on to write, perhaps silence is God. Perhaps God is silence. Perhaps God speaking is a verb, an act, but God within the Trinity is silent and therefore is silence. And that is perfectly capturing what Eckhart's description of God is. He calls this God beyond God within the Trinity, within the silent desert, the Godhead. And he said when the Godhead utters itself, we call that speaker father. And the utterance, the word, the spoken, is what we call son. But if we leave it there, you've got two separate gods. And we have one God. So this this thing that holds the two gods together and brings them back into oneness we call spirit. And so that's how he describes this. So I've been trying personally to get my head around this. So take, pull up St. Meinrad's picture here. So this is, if y'all can see this, this is the choir loft uh, in St. Meinrad Archabbey. And the sanctuary, I want to hold this so you can kind of visualize it. The sanctuary is shaped like a cross. All right, so you've got the tabernacle here. Uh, the monks' choir lofts go out on both sides here. This is what you're seeing here. And then flip it, Tate. And then, the, so that's the back, is the, the back there you're seeing is the tabernacle. And then kind of out there to the sides uh, is that choir loft, the choir loft you saw. And then it moves through. You can see sort of the benches there. That's where the congregation sits and to the altar. So the altar sits at the base of what the cross is. And what happens, it's so beautiful to experience kind of live, is... The uh, priory side of the monks represent the father. And then the abbot side of, of, the, of, the, of the choir loft represents the son. And they interchange chants. So as the two sides chant the psalms, the voices blend together and then move down through the congregation towards the altar. Isn't that beautiful? And so the acoustics are designed to do that. To me, that going there and kind of experiencing this live was where I was like, oh my gosh, this is what Eckhart's talking about. That, that this God in moving in this rhythm of outwardness and inwardness and outwardness and inwardness is, is speaking and creating. We are the echo, right? We are made in the image of God, but we're not God. We're the echo of the spoken, the echo of the word. And, and then it's pulled back together into oneness and, and returns back to the Godhead. So, this is why the Word, the Christ, is so essential. It's not even pivotal to our faith. It's pivotal to everything, according to Eckhart. So he says that through the Son, the Word, the Godhead is uttered and becomes Father. Uh, through the Son, the Word... The universe is uttered and becomes creation. And through uh, the same Son, the Word it's, uh, is uttered again, is Jesus of Nazareth and becomes Redeemer. And so the one thing the Trinity and creation and mankind have in common is the Word, the Son. Um, so God is the holy rhythm. God is the holy rhythm that we're seeing that's built into everything. And so this leads us to three questions. One is, how does this holy rhythm work for our church and work for us as the church? And second is, how does this holy rhythm work in our everyday lives? 
where it's busy and it's stressful and we're burnt out and we've got a lot going on. Uh, how do we do this? And then the third question is, how can we tell if we're, uh, if we're in this rhythm with God or if we're out of this rhythm with God? And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that. So from a church perspective, uh, we've been in a season of dwelling as the, here is the parish for a while between COVID and, you know, uh, homelessness and finally finding a place and getting settled. We've kind of been in an inward orientation uh, for, for a season. Uh, and now as we begin to move to the house church, house churches, once a month, we're going to be, now we're moving out. We're moving out uh, in outward motion. But then ultimately our house churches need to become a new inward movement. And those house churches, as house churches, we need to start discerning where is God calling us to move outward, venturing out. And now that house church has become a dwelling, how do we venture out and serve our neighbors? So the question with this inward rhythm and outward rhythm is, through the inward movement, we're growing a deeper love of God. So for the greatest commandments, love God with all your heart, mind, and spirit. How do we do that? Inward movement. But second greatest commandment is, love our neighbor as ourselves. Outward movement. And so we've got to keep this rhythm and maintain it uh, as a collective church through our house churches. And then to bring this down uh, as individuals uh, for us. So the question is, okay, we're really busy people. How do we do this? How do we do this? And what I'm going to tell you is, is going to sound silly. I'm just going to go ahead and prep you. Uh, is you're, it's a stressful day. You're super busy. Um, what, what do you do? What do you do? Wherever you are, car, home, work, um, standing in line at Publix, uh, whatever that may be, just start by focusing on your breathing. Now, I know you think, okay, that's cool, uh, but let me try to just add some context and deepen this for you. So first of all, my favorite root word is spear, is S-P-I-R, S-P-I-R. It just means to breathe or it means breath. And so when we perspire, our bodies, we're sweating, our skin's breathing. When we feel inspired, right, what, what, imagine, just think when you're inspired, you feel like your soul's getting a breath, your spirit's getting a breath. When we expire, we stop breathing. When we need a respite, we need a break. We need a breath. We need to take a breath. And spear is also the root word in spirit. So the word spirit essentially means breath. So when I say, how do we focus back on that rhythm, uh, that, that holy rhythm of God and start to reconnect, we focus on our breath. And the cool thing is I came across this teaching by Rabbi Arthur, Arthur Waskow. And he said, you know, uh, the, the name given by the Israelites to, to God is Yahweh. And it's spelled Y-W-H-W. And he said, if you pronounce it without the vowels and just try to pronounce it as, as written, it's the sound of breath. All right, so I want you to just do this for a second. I want you to inhale, thinking the word yah, and I want you to exhale, thinking the word way, right? You're praying God's name every day you're alive. Every being that's ever lived or will live is praying God's name. And just know that uh, during the stress 
uh, and burnout uh, of our everyday lives where things are just seem like they're getting more and more tense every day, that you are already praying God's name. And all you need to do is take a second, recenter on your breath, and remember that's what you're doing. That's who's giving. That's who's got your back. That's who's taking care of you in this moment. And so um, that leads us to the last question which is permeating the scriptures and creation is this holy rhythm of an inward and outward movement. Uh, this holy rhythm leads us to the divine presence. And so the question is, how can we know if we're living in this presence or not? And I think the answer is where we started, which is back at Pentecost in Acts. So the Jewish celebration of Pentecost is actually a celebration of the first fruits of the wheat harvest. Uh, and then, of course, you can kind of look at the, the Christian story of Pentecost as the first fruits of the Holy Spirit uh, coming into the group of believers. And so the way we can tell if we're in this rhythm or out of this rhythm with God is simply ask ourselves the questions, are we experiencing the fruits of the Spirit right now? And let's look at this. So fruits of the Spirit, peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Now, first of all, imagine a world if we all demonstrated that. <laughs> it would be a better world. If you're not feeling these things, and I think all of us can kind of answer, I don't think I can check a lot of these boxes most days. Uh, but the question is, if we're not experiencing these fruits, peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, self-control, and gentleness, if you're not feeling that, it's time to move back into this inward and outward holy rhythm with our breath, with our life, with the way we're structuring our days, with between praying and working, resting and risking, right? Dwelling, venturing, being, doing, right? Contemplation, action. It's this constant, all the rhythms and tensions we look at are built on this inward and outward movement. So my invitation to you is to listen for this rhythm starting today, starting tomorrow, and start to take some steps to, to reconnect uh, and build your day-to-day -day life off this holy rhythm. So let's pray together. Dear Lord, we're so thankful uh, for the gift of you. We're so glad to know that uh, you are sustaining all of us, whether we acknowledge it or not or know it or not. And we just ask that you lead us into your divine presence. Help us find time. Uh, for, for drawing inward to see you and help us find time and ways to, to move outward to love and serve our neighbors uh, and help us discern your will rather than our own. And we just pray that you be with us, bless us as we go into this week, help us find ways to love and serve you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Yeah, let's, let's thank Keith. Keith, thank you. What I, one of the things, one of the many things I love about Keith is that his life is embedded in this holy rhythm. These are not words he's saying. This is what he's living, uh, you know, as an oblate in a Benedictine monastery, a, a monastic tradition, and yet also doing work Monday through Friday that is entirely outward focused for the sake of others focused. 
uh, that rhythm's embedded into who you are, and I'm thankful for the way that you bring that to our community. And Keith's going to be helping us over the months ahead as we think about our house churches and particularly the outward expression of our house churches. How do we care well for our neighbors in ways that are relational and organic and, and holistic and helpful uh, rather than checking a box because we think it's what we need to do, how do we get into the guts of what needs really exist and how do we find the intersections between who we are as people and as a community and the needs that exist in our, in our uh, wider world? Keith is uh, an expert voice and is going to be guiding us in that. So more to come and we're thankful for you.